today on It's Time. Jesus puts us in areas that are difficult or hard for us. Why is that? I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Sometimes we may not always understand what we read. People I've had say that to me. Well, I read the Bible, I only understand about 5-10% of what I'm reading. Maybe you're like that too sometimes. I, I, I've been like that. Sometimes if I'm really like that, really bad, got a bad case of ADD, I kind of slow down, see how many, not how many I can, you know, well, I read 45 verses a day like notches in your gun, you know. <laughs> 45 notches in my Bible. You'd be better off to maybe read five verses and really let it soak in to know what God's saying. Well, something here, it says, Then I remembered the word of the Lord. Wow, isn't it funny that God will put us in situations that will force us to remember what he told us in, you might say, pre-training to be able to respond to what's actually happening to us now. Wow, that's pretty good. So in other words... Our training as a Christian comes every day in our relationship with him. So when the Holy Spirit wants from us the ability to teach or to put things together, or you might say the precept behind God's word, we go, oh, now I remember what that verse is about. We've talked about this a lot through the Bible. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 and it says, man, we don't know how many women and children were there. And everybody had a full stomach, you know, they had all eaten and, and they're all there. And, and then Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And they go, whoa, cannibal time, man, I'm out of here. The Bible says he went from a crowd of 5,000 men. We don't know how many women, but if they were married, there would probably have been 5,000 women. So 10,000. And then if there was kids there, figuring 1.5 kids per family, that half a kid is really a lot to take care of, but uh, 1.5 kids. So you got a crowd somewhere around, um, what would that be? 12,000 plus? The Bible says that after Jesus made that remark, everybody split. <laughs> there was nobody there. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he said, will you also leave? And I love, you know, Peter every once in a while put his foot in his mouth. But every once in a while, Peter said something really great and profound. And I love what he said. He said, where else would we go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. I I think what Peter was really saying is, you know, Jesus, a lot of times I haven't got a clue what you're saying. But I know you got the answers and I'm staying here. I think that's good. I I really do. God's never called me to understand everything. All God's called you and me to do is be faithful, okay? So, he says, he says, um, you got the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? 
Now, it was not very long after that, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And he picks up the cup, and he, well, first he picks up the bread, and he breaks it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you, and he passes it around. And then he picks up the cup, and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And he passes it around. And I can just see the disciples going, oh, that's what he meant. Unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part of me. But a lot of times we don't stick around long enough to find out why God says what he says concerning issues of life. We just say, well, I don't understand it. I'm out of here. And we miss the blessing of God. We miss the protection of God. So what then happens is kind of an amazing thing. The Bible said, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And unless a branch abides in me, he will bear no fruit. Now, you say, what's that got to do with anything? Unless a branch abides in the vine. It tells me a couple things. All we have to do is hold on. Hold on. You may not understand everything at the time, but you will eventually see fruit in your life. And the Bible says that if we hold on to him, we will bear much fruit, he says. So, looking at that, Then I remembered the word which the Lord, how he said. And if you like to underline things in your Bible, you might just want to underline that. Um, Then I remembered. Then I remembered. (laughs) Which tells me a lot. First of all, we forget. It just happens. We forget. We don't always remember everything. And sometimes we are more convenient to forget what we don't understand. Oftentimes in our lives, things will happen to us and we'll say something like this. Well, I don't know why that had to happen. You ever said that? (laughs) Well, sometimes it's not until later on in your life even. You'll come across perhaps somebody going through the same thing that you went through and you know how to speak to them because you have been through it. Do you remember this? Every one of us, we're today training in preparation for the events and the challenges of tomorrow. That's what God does. So we, we need to always remember that though I may not understand everything that I'm going through right now as a Christian, well, God, why did my boyfriend or why did my girlfriend say, I'm, I'm out of here, I hear a Jesus freak, goodbye. Why did that have to happen? Well, it might not be for five, ten years down the road to you see why God did that. But I guarantee you, as a Christian, as you walk in faith, God has the best for you. He'll withhold no good thing from you. And thank God, he's, he will take out of our lives things that aren't good for us. And so, he said, then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be, fill, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, When we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I that I could withstand God? Now, just this statement to me is kind of bizarre, okay? Who is I that I could withstand God? (laughs) Like, you want to? Why would you even think that I was wanting to withstand God? Why? That tells you how strong sometimes our indoctrination or the way we were raised or what we think can go against what God's best is for us. You see that? Look at that again. It says, who was I that I could withstand God? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to withstand God? 
Well, he goes on, verse 18. And when they had heard these things, and by the way, this could have went either way. And when they heard these things, they threw Peter out on his ear. No, it doesn't say that. Thank the Lord. They became silent. And they then glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now this verse is really important. Verse 18, Acts 11. Do you realize how far we are into the New Testament church before they even realized Gentiles could be saved? Wow! I, I look at this, this is amazing to me. That we're half, almost halfway through the book of Acts, and they doing, whoa, Gentiles can be saved too. You don't think people can build walls, or that the way sometimes we were programmed, raised, or whatever, that we need to overcome those things with the truth of God's word. That's why I, I always encourage people when they become born again, read the Bible. Why is that? Because when you read, it's going to undo a lot of bad things that we have been taught in our lives. Taught by others, taught by ourselves, the way we perceive things. You, you know, somebody do me dirty, I'll do them dirty, you know. Uh, <laughs> Do unto others before they do unto you. Yeah, that's, that's not the way we live our lives. You see? But God changes that because then we begin to see the power of God working in us. Well, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution arose over Stephen. We remember Stephen, uh, how the Sanhedrin went after him, the same one that pronounced, you might say, Jesus' death on the cross was the same one that pronounced Stephen's stoning, you might say, uh, with the permission and all that. Traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Now, Still at this time, it tells us here that they recognized that the Gentiles could be saved, but they really didn't want to fellowship with them. In fact, even Peter was that way as well. And, and there's one point in the scripture where Paul rebukes Peter to his face, saying that he refused to eat with the Gentiles. Well, what's amazing here is it says that, uh, and by the way, and Peter was sent to the Gentiles to minister to him. That's crazy, isn't it? So God sends Peter to the Gentiles in which Peter has a prejudice against them. I think when God knocks the corners off of us is amazing, isn't it? You know, it's just amazing. I, you know, I, I, like a, I like an easy believe Jesus. That's what I want. I want to cruise Jesus, you know, leave the window. If you're ever cruising, guys, leave the window about that far up. And then when you rest your arm on it, your muscles look real big. Yeah. I want to cruise Jesus, you know. Well, Jesus puts us in areas sometimes that are, forgive the term, but difficult or hard for us. Why is that? So we don't rest on our own understanding, but we trust him. You see, a lot of times we won't dig into God until we realize that we're at the end of our ability to do the job. <laughs> That's what a trial is, isn't it? In other words, you're faced with something that is greater than you are, and so therefore you're going, getting overwhelmed by it. You're going, oh, God, help. And God says, this is where I want you. And you go, oh, I don't like being here. But this is where God then reveals his power to us. This is where God strengthens us, grows us up, and then we have a different perspective of the power of God. In other words, if I could handle all the problems myself, 
I really don't need God. I, 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 I can figure this out. I got a bucket of a water and a shovel and I can make it all work. God says, well, you're not trusting me. Let me give you something a little bit bigger than you are. And then you'll realize your dependency upon me. So when the bigger issues of life come down the road, and friends, they come to everybody, whether you're saved or not, you will know, you will know where your hope, your strength lies, okay? So, this persecution that arose. Uh, By the way, Antioch, interesting town. In fact, as we get down a little farther, they were first called Christians in Antioch. This was, you might say, the Jerusalem for the Gentile church. This is where uh, it kind of centered. This was the third largest city, you might say, in the Roman Empire. There was Rome and Alexandria and then Antioch. And, and so this was a big city and a lot of, a lot of corrupt stuff in that town. It was, it was their version of Las Vegas. There was gambling. There was prostitution. It's really where um, the seduction of Dauphine by Apollos, uh, so to speak, happened. And, and so they would reenact this play all the time of the seductions and all this crazy stuff. And then to celebrate it all together, they all go out and seduce each other. And it was just one big kind of goofy orgy thing. And this was kind of where the Gentile Christians really got a stronghold. And you say, well, how could that be? It's because you know what? The Bible says where sin abounds, that much more grace abounds. And what happens in sin, as anybody that's ever gotten involved in it, you know, it never satisfies the soul. Now, let me try that. Well, let me try that. Let me try that. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Anything else out there I can try? Yeah, God. Okay, let's try that. And it's really amazing that sometimes we think, and I don't know if you ever come across anybody like this, but you say, oh, oh, that person, they are such a worldly party and sinner, man. <laughs> don't even waste your time sharing the gospel with him. And you find out they're the ones that get saved. How is that? Why does that happen? Because they've tried everything. They know the whole and the soul better than anybody else. And so God comes along and says, hey, this is what you've been looking for. And they go, yeah, they want to respond to that because they recognize the presence of God in their life. They recognize a change in their life. And so this uh, city of Antioch was uh, really bad. But actually, they weren't really preaching to the Gentiles at this point. It was just the Jews that were there in the city that got there because when the persecution came upon Stephen in Jerusalem, everything kind of blew up and and they all took off running. This is about five, six years after this happened with Stephen. We find this, the, the believers, the Jewish believers, scattered uh, uh, around uh, that area. And so it says, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Barnabas, the son of consolation. By the way, uh, he was a person who was an encourager. Uh, and I, I really believe that this is a great ministry. Uh, you know, you, you have uh, Stephen preaching. You had Paul teaching. And you had Barnabas reconciling or encouraging. I, I believe that we all have our respective uh, things that God has us do. Um, and certainly um, now you have these, as it says here, some of them were from Cyprus and Cyrene. And these Greeks 
and preaching the Lord Jesus. And so now we find they're going, how are we going to reconcile this? The Jews are getting in with the Gentiles and all this kind of stuff. And what are we going to do? Send Barnabas. He's a, he's a, he's a way maker. He's a consolator. He, he's, he's a peacemaker. He'll, he'll figure this all out. And the news of these things came to the ears at the church of Jerusalem. They, they were listening. They were concerned too. And they sent out Barnabas. Well, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. Notice the purpose of heart. You know, you might not always have a meeting of the minds, as the old saying goes, but you can always agree in the, you might say, the purposes of the heart. Because the heart's greater than the mind. Um, Don't ever try this, guys. I love you with all of my brain. (laughs) What's that? Oh, I love you with all my heart. Well, that's pretty good. I love you with all my brain. Oh, yeah, that's, that doesn't really grab anybody, does it? Because love is not just an intellectual thing. It's a heartfelt thing. At least real love is. And so this is why it says the purpose of heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and had great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas, after he'd finished his work there, departed for Tarshish to seek Saul. Now Saul had been converted about roughly about 11 years before. So now Barnabas, the son of consolation, and by the way, some of the people didn't want to have anything to do with Paul when he got saved because they thought he was just kind of playing the Christian game to get in the inner circles so he could then arrest them and haul them off to prison as he had been doing. Well, The Bible here says that Barnabas found him, and he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. (laughs) I like that. They were first called Christians. Now, everybody say, oh, um, Christ-like. They were just like Christ-like. No, really, the word Christian in the original language means little Jesuses. (laughs) And they first called them little Jesuses, at Antioch. In other words, they were emulating who they loved to the point where the world said, and by the way, notice this. It said that they and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. From what we can tell from what, what this says, this was a name the world gave the Christians. It wasn't the Christians calling themselves Christians. They were believers. They were brethren. But the world called them little Jesuses. That's pretty good. In other words, they were reflecting their master to the point where people were saying, hey, look, (laughs) they're acting like Jesus. And so, in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named was Agabus, who stood up, And shown by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. This is, uh, I believe, sometimes the way God provides for us is by helping one another. You know, a lot of times we have a preconceived idea how God's going to help me. Well, you know, God, I, I need my money. Uh, I, I got to pay my rent. And uh, I'm going to go outside and there's going to be a sack of gold right by my front door of my car. 
Sometimes we, all, we have an idea how we're going to do that. Or I know I'm going to win the lottery, so I'll go down and buy some lottery tickets. I, I know I'll call my friend and get money from him. I, I really believe, saints, that um, this, by, by the way, Agabus had the gift of prophecy, not just foretelling God's word, but literally foretelling God's word. He could literally tell what was coming in the future. He, we find him mentioned again uh, when Paul was going to go to uh, Jerusalem, and he said, so is the man that owns this girdle. When he goes there, he's going to be bound. So this guy, could he, he was a seer. He, could, he, he knew what was going to happen in the future. Um, and I believe God put some of those people in the church on purpose so that we can be warned of these things. Certainly we remember Joseph uh, could interpret Pharaoh's dream and told him that there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, and you need to prepare for the famine that's going to come. Well, here it says, then the disciples, each according to his ability. In other words, they recognize the need in other people, and they realize that we are not going to make it unless we help each other. And I, I really believe very possibly in the days to come, verses like this are going to become more and more and more of reality in the church. That's why all of us need to be part of a body. And not just on a Sunday morning where you go, high five, <laughs> you know, but we actually interact with one another. We know what one another's needs are. Not just people coming in to rip off the church. In other words, hey, you know, I, I actually had a guy call me on the phone one time here at the church and he said, I, I need some money to help uh, with my, you know, my rent. And I, I said, well, uh, uh, you know, and some bills. And I said, well, what are your bills? Let me, let me know. Because sometimes, you know, when you talk to somebody about how they're spending money, they have plenty of money. They just don't spend it wisely. And so I began to talk to him and he goes, well, I've got this bill and, and, and I've got the rent and I, 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 and I, I got my, my cable vision bill. And I, I go, wait a minute. Maybe you don't need to pay your, well, if I don't pay the cable vision bill, there's a reattachment fee of $75. I said, get rid of it. You, you see, when you're looking for help from other people and you haven't done all that you can do, to, you might say, lighten the load, then you can't really go to brothers and sisters in the Lord saying, hey, will you pay my cable vision bill? Because that's not really a necessity, is it? Well, maybe to some it is. But see, maybe what we need to do is say, okay, God, all the things that I have are a resource of yours. You help me do the best that I can with what I have. And you'll find that God will get a hold of your, your finances and help you and bless you and you'll be a blessing to others. See, that's, that's what God does. The Bible says if you've been unfaithful over little, you'll be unfaithful over much. If you've been faithful over much, you'll be a little, you'll be faithful over much. Unfortunately, a lot of times people think, well, if I just had more, that would solve the problem. That's not what it is. It, we need to do what God's called us to do. And then that way we'll have extra to help others as they did. And they sent relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And this they did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Responsible, tried, and true people. I believe that's really an important thing. So, as we look at this, how God works. Remember, when you feel an unction to share somebody faith, what God's done for you, remember, God's been working on their end too. God's been prompting their heart. And um, I've had that happen more times in my life when I'll just start talking to somebody and they'll look at me and they'll say, well, it's funny we're talking because I was just thinking about going to church this Sunday. And I said, well, why don't you come with us? Okay. 
And I, I mean, we always think that it goes, I don't want to hear that stuff. Not so. In fact, God's been working on them all, maybe for years, just to have you invite them into the kingdom of heaven. God works in so many wonderful ways. Let him work in your life as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask you now that your Holy Spirit would remind us that you've begun to work in us. You're going to see us through. And so, Father, we just thank you again as we read your words tonight that your invisible Holy Spirit is communicating to people on this earth. God, of all the people, we want to hear your voice. And Lord, send us to people that you're talking to. So, Father, we just commit our lives into your hands. Again, remind us that we need to be about your business. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.